0: this weekend, and those taking our yoga teacher training, and those joining us on the internet. Wish you all a very good Sunday. So our reading this week from Swami Kriyananda's book, Rays of the One Light, based on Yogananda's parallel commentaries on the Bhagavad Gita and the Bible, our topic this week is, why tell God anything if he knows everything? Why offer God anything when he has everything? We're all looking forward to what Jotish has to say. (laughs) It's got to be the
1: most complicated title of any of the Sunday services.
0: The following commentary is based on the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda. Jesus Christ teaches us the ideal prayer, one that addresses very human demands to God. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Jesus himself says, just before suggesting this prayer, Your Father knoweth what things he have need of before ye ask them. Why then, his recommendation that we pray for anything? The answer is that we should offer ourselves up in acceptance of his abundance. Don't pester God as though constantly pulling on his sleeve to get his attention, Approach him with the confidence of a child in its parent, and in that spirit, then ask him lovingly, but with complete trust, as though demanding your birthright, and without the slightest doubt in your mind that he wants only your best. So you don't have to persuade him, the way a beggar or a stranger might. You are his child. God knows everything already. He knows what is in your heart. It is you who need to clarify your feelings, that you attune yourself to him and turn more clearly. For only by such clarity will you be able to receive perfectly what he gives you. For the same reason, we need to offer ourselves to him, not because he needs anything from us, except, as Yogananda said, our love. complete his love for us, but because by self-giving we expand our awareness from its confinement in the little ego outward to infinity. The Bhagavad Gita says in the fourth chapter, those who partake of the nectar remaining after a sacrifice attain to the infinite spirit. That person, however, who makes no sacrifices never truly succeeds in enjoying even the blessings of this material world. How, then, could he he attain happiness in subtler realms? Thus, through holy scripture, God has spoken to mankind.
1: Normally, we begin our Sunday service with uh, reading from Whispers from Eternity, which are prayer demands uh, that Master has written. But if my prayers have been answered this morning, we will have Master himself do the. Okay.
2: I'll
1: just turn it off.
3: nor rush or run about in the temple of stage darkness, nor drown the taper with my tears. I will sit still and command my breath to make no sound. I rebuke my boisterous love for thee. The taper of meditation burns brighter now. Oh, how maddening! I cannot worship thee with words, but only with wistful yearning. Brighter the light grows. I behold thee now. Thou art I. I worship thee. As night hides everything, I will worship thee in hidden silence. I am glad with the joy of all minds. I will use this screen of the night to hide myself from the tempting things of the day. O night, when I am worried, throw thy veil of silent darkness around me create a dark temple for me wherever I go, that I may invoke and call him, whom I love, my beloved, at any time, anywhere, everywhere.
1: So the vibration of Master praying is exceptional. Gives uh, no longer much room to the sense of saints being kind of wimpy and <laughs> soft and sweet all the time. When he said the prayers that we do should be prayer demands, that's that's what he's meaning. He really, really puts it there. So. The question today about prayer is very interesting. So the first part of it is why should we pray if God already knows everything? And why doesn't God just grant us everything that we want? Well, first of all, we pray all the time, whether we realize it or not. It's the little thoughts, the little tapes that run in our minds... Wanting this and wanting that. And oh, if only this can happen. Oh, oh, please. And those tapes run constantly. And the tapes run things that we want and things that we don't want. And those likes and dislikes are the constant underlying current that goes on in our consciousness. When we can finally learn to still those... Then we will automatically, our consciousness will rise and will perceive ourselves as we really are, as extensions of God. But we have to learn to still those. And so, as long as we're praying all the time anyway, God knows those prayers. In fact, God is behind those prayers. He knows the yearnings of the heart, He knows beyond the words, He knows. He's closer than to our consciousness than we ourselves are, because he is our consciousness. We're just dim. Uh, well, we're dim anyway. Let's face it. <laughs> but we're dim reflections of what our true nature is, of what we might become, and so prayer helps us to focus our, our more consciously our deeper intentions, our spiritual intentions, and then ask of God. And in doing that, we form a kind of connection that isn't there without the prayer. In a sense, well, there's an example that I can use. When I was, uh, oh, 35 years ago or so, went to India with uh, Swami and some others, Nalini and some other um, couple of other Ananda people. And during that time, we met the great saint Ananda Moima and got to spend some time with her. And it was very sweet and very precious. And one of the things that we had done was to bring a lot of malas and... uh, lockets and so on that people uh, treasured, but wanted Ma to bless. And so in this interview with her we brought those out and she said why do you ask this body to bless these things? She said God's grace is like the sunlight. It's always shining down. Don't you see that? Why ask this body to bless those? That grace is always shining down. we said Yes, we know, Ma, but could you bless them anyway? (laughs) And she kindly did. She was playing a little bit with us, but nonetheless, the point that she was making was very important because God's grace is always shining down. It is always with us. And yet, we don't connect with it consciously very much. Since she used the image of the sunlight, if we were wanting to see something in the room, assuming that we didn't have the lights on, we could still see. The sunlight comes in through the windows and it would be enough for us to see, probably even to read. It might get dim at night. But nonetheless, that sun is always shining down. So why, why seek the sunlight? It's always there. Well, if we don't seek it consciously... Yes, maybe we can walk around without stumbling, but you aren't going to get much of a suntan sitting in here. If you want to get closer, if you want to draw more, you have to take a conscious act and you have to go out and you have to expose yourself to the sun. If you want the flow of God's grace more than just kind of dimly reflecting around in the rooms of your life, you have to go and expose yourself to that grace and draw on that grace. And in fact, with sunlight, Master said that if you consciously draw the energy of the sun, you can draw ten times as much as as you would get a benefit, as you would get of just lying there passively. And so by consciously drawing on that grace, we... We draw more of it than we would otherwise. Basically, what's going on is that God is our own self. God, but since we have an ego, last week's reading talked about as long as we have an ego, it is easier to pray to God as if he were other than ourself. Because that very sense of ego Master said the ego is the soul identified with a body and a personality. The fact that we're identified with the body and the personality makes it harder to be really aware of the fact that God is us already. God already knows everything that that we think. God already has everything that we have. We don't naturally normally think that way. The natural sense is to think of God As outside of ourself. To think of master. As outside of ourself. And so on. As long as that's normal. Then it is more effective. Usually. To pray to God. As if he's outside of ourself. Then as we get deeper. Either in a single meditation. Or in our spiritual life. We can try to break down. That hypnotism of separation. But at first. It works better to allow it. But then, as we get deeper, then we should try to break it down. One time, Master said to um, Dr. Lewis, he said, Doctor, you're not praying correctly. And Doctor said, What do you mean? And Master said, You're praying to God. You should pray in God. And so there he was. Doctor was ready to make that break from the sense of separation into the sense of unity, which is a deeper truth. But as long as we're praying to God, as long as we have an ego, we have all these little tapes that we want this and don't want that, all for our ego. I like raisins. I don't like kumquats. I hope Davy doesn't put kumquats in the oatmeal this morning. I'd prefer raisins, you know. That's... We don't, it doesn't even rise to the level of the conscious mind, but it's always going on. And so as long as we have an ego and these things are always going on anyway, then let's ask of God those things that are for our higher benefit. So we do, so one of the aspects that Swami talked about in here is that praying to God for what? our needs are for what our wants are helps us to focus our consciousness to as i was saying uh, open ourselves to the flow of god's grace and in that sense he uses the lord's prayer which is a beautiful beautiful prayer and um he in other places uh explains the prayer and i'll i'll do a little bit i don't want to go through the whole thing but he said the most important line is right at the beginning our father who art in heaven hallowed be thy name the most important of all are the first two words our father because in prayer we have to have a personal relationship We have to feel that we're God's children. We have to feel, just as our parents want the best for us and are kind and dear. And a mother knows more what the child wants than the child itself. She knows to dress him warmly because he's going out to play, and the weather's cold. He doesn't know that. He run out i probably did it myself growing up in minnesota stupidly running out into the snow with uh, no coat on so my mother would dress me up the our heavenly father heavenly mother knows better than we do what we want and what we need but by us asking for that we then make that connection so that's very important Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. That's honoring God. It's very, very important to honor our connection. Not because he needs to be honored, but because we need to honor. We need to uplift and elevate that relationship. And hallowed be thy name. The name isn't just Jehovah or Krishna or whatever it's the real name, is as Master ended the prayer is Om. It's the vibration. That's the real name of God, the the vibration of the creation that He brings forth. And so, by honoring that vibration, recognizing it, making a a conscious connection, things change, and we become open to that grace. Basically, as I say, God knows not only what we want, but also what's good for us. But he also has given us free will. And so, having free will, we can ask to continue to play with his toys rather than, as Master put it in another context, the naughty child keeps, or the Child keeps crying for for his mother, divine mother. And the divine mother comes and gives the child a toy to play with and then he stops crying. And then a little while later he cries again for the mother and she gives him another toy and another toy and another toy. Finally he gets tired of the toys and no toy will satisfy him and he keeps crying for the mother and then she picks him up and holds him in. Arms. And we're like that. As long as we keep crying for God and God offers us a toy, a nice bank account, a good position, a nice relationship, something, as long as we're satisfied with the toy, then what we're really saying is, I don't really want you yet. I want your toys. And so God recognizing that gives them to us. And the little child wears out pretty quickly and wants only his mother to pick him up. But for us, it can take several million lifetimes of being satisfied playing with the toys until finally we get to the point where no nothing, nothing outward will satisfy us. Ultimately, no toy really will satisfy us. Nothing outside of ourself will make us happy because our happiness lies within. Master said, all happiness or unhappiness lies within yourself. And so we have to finally increase our relationship with Divine Mother. But there's another aspect to this. So here we've been talking about the fact that if we pray, we make an individual connection with Divine Mother and kind of open up that flow of grace to come, just as going out in the sunlight opens up the flow of the sunlight for us to receive it more completely. But there's another aspect, too, And that's that there's something deeper that goes on because we ask saints to pray for us or we pray for others. And so in that case, we aren't actually going out into the sunlight, say. We're asking somebody else to help us, help us receive the grace that we would receive if we undertook our own effort. And so asking for prayers from others means that it isn't just our own individual connection with God. I mean, on a deep Vedantic level, there is no other, and that saint is us in a higher form. But here we're talking about you know, the dualistic nature that we live in. So asking for someone else to pray for us or asking master to intervene on our behalf means that it isn't just our personal relationship there's something else going on and in this sense it's like there's a vast vast network of consciousness and by connecting two points maybe we ask someone not to pray for us but to pray for some to pray for our sick sister And our sister doesn't even know that we've asked for that prayer. So there isn't that kind of direct link. There's an indirect link. But somehow those prayers are still effective. And asking that Master intervene on behalf of someone or asking for prayers from someone else on behalf as we do in our prayer council in our prayer ministry. We know from experience That that's effective. So somehow. It's like a billiard shot. We pray to God. God gives the grace over here. And so that. that Kind of connection. Is made. It's made because the whole world. Is. A conscious entity. And by. Asking God. To help someone else. We make that. Conscious entity connection. And grace does flow. It's like a vast neuron uh, mix in the brain. And so those prayers on behalf of others is something that's very, very important. And all saints that I know of pray for other people. We had a very lovely experience uh A couple of decades ago or so, we went to uh, Sant Giovanni Rotondo, which is where Padre Pio uh, had his life's work. He was a great, great saint of modern times and we've known people who, who met him and had confession from him. But he would go at night as many, many saints have. And he would pray for people. He would spend basically his whole night praying for people. There We met one of the monks who's now an old man. But when he was there, he was a novice. And he was, a, by his own admission, kind of skeptical. And so he would get up at night and he would sneak out and see what Padre Pio was up to. (laughs) And so he would hide in this kind of loft. And this loft, well, I'll come back to that story. But he would hide in this loft and watch to see whether Padre Pio was the real goods or not. And he would see night after night Padre Pio praying for hours and hours at a time. And one time his superior came and caught him there watching and he was supposed to be in his room he wasn't supposed to be there so his superior started to chew him out for not obeying the rules and Padre Pio who was he was wonderful anyway he said to the monk he said why is it taking you so long to get me my tea when the superior was chewing him out so the superior oh oh I didn't realize that you were here on Padre Pio's bequest, so he left him alone. <laughs> but it's just beautiful. There was, there was another time. Well, to finish this story, that loft was where Dave, uh, where uh, Padre Pio received the stigmata. He'd received it inwardly many years earlier, but that's where he received it outwardly. Stigmata is were. Outwardly, the wounds of Christ in the hands and feet and side come. And Padre Pio had that throughout his life. And so to finish the story, we had gone there and the place, uh, Basilica, was crowded and a lot of tourists and a lot of noise and we kept kind of going from place to place. We were with Arjuna and Shivani, if you know them. We were looking... Uh, for a place that was quiet. And so the four of us finally found this little place, choir loft. We didn't know what it was or why. It was just quiet as far as we knew. And we sat to meditate. And then uh, Shivani read a little plaque on the wall and it was then that we realized that's where Padre Pio would go at night and pray and where he received the stigmata. And so we were meditating And it was getting later. And then we heard kind of clank, clank, clank. And the doors got locked. Not only did the doors to the church get locked, the doors to that choir loft got locked. And so we figured, well, could be worse. (laughs) We're stuck here for the night. We might as well meditate and really tune in. So we were meditating. And after a couple of hours had passed the doors unlocked and this priest came in, was an American priest leading a small group of pilgrims that had come from America and he opened the choir loft, came in, was quite surprised <laughs> to find the four of us sitting there but when we explained what had happened, he said, oh, well, you're very fortunate and usually this room remains locked all night but since since." we've come, then just join the pilgrimage here. And so, uh, along with the rest of them, we went to the private rooms of Padre Pio. And then at the very end, he had one of the little gloves that he wore that had the remnants of the blood from the stigmata. And as everyone filed out, he blessed everyone. And, uh, And us too. A special little blessing from Padre Pio. But, Here's a great saint who, like Master, like others, spent his whole life praying for others. So he was telling us by example that prayer is effective. So whether we think that we God knows everything, therefore we don't have to pray, then they show us by their example that we do have to pray. And that it is effective. Well, if God has everything, why ask Him? Why give Him anything? Because it's we who think He doesn't have everything. It's we who think that we have some things that are ours and not His. And that thought of separation, of holding something from Him, in fact, keeps us bound in ego. Not the only thing, but one of the strong things is to think that we have things, not just physical things, but talents, ideas, blessings for others, gifts for the world, that aren't God's. And we have to give Him everything, everything, everything. And finally realize that we have nothing outside of what He has given us. Because we are nothing outside of him. Everything is God. God's alone. God's only. And that we are only here. To be perfect channels. To learn to become perfect channels for him. So when we pray there's a question of what we should pray for. There are some things not to pray for. First of all. If you're undergoing a test, don't pray that that test be taken away from you. Put it this way. Think back when I was in, I don't know, Mrs. Johnson's third grade. And I was just learning my multiplication tables. Do you think she was going to listen to the prayer that said, basically, I haven't studied... I don't think I can pass this test. Please take it away from me. Oh, yeah, well, that's a good idea. Remain stupid. Remain ignorant. But don't we pray to God? This test is too hard for me. Take it away. Does he say, oh, oh, just move it off then. You don't have to learn to be kind. You don't have to learn to be compassionate. You don't have to learn to be unattached. No, you don't need to learn those things. Let me take it away. Or we pray that it be a real, real easy test. <laughs> I know my ones. Everybody knows my ones times. That's easy. And I, I know my two times too. But three times I get kind of shaky. And beyond that, oh, oh man, I don't know any of that. Take those. Don't, don't, don't give me any eights or nines <laughs> in this test. And so we ask, I mean, it's funny here, but we do it all the time. Let's face it. We ask that our tests be made easier for us so that we don't have to really learn. We don't have to really offer up. We don't have to really give things up. So don't ask that your tests be taken away. In fact, there are really only two prayers. Master said there are the There are two prayers that are the highest prayers. One is, Father, give me thyself that I may give thee to all. And the other is, I will think, I will will, I will act. But guide thou my thought, will, and activity to the right path in everything. And when I first heard that Master gave us two prayers, I thought, can he make up his mind? I mean, it's easier if we just have one prayer. But as I thought about it more deeply, and this is also a paradigm, if ever you want to have an argument whether you're right or master's right, it's okay to have that argument. It's a good starting place. But make the assumption that you don't understand, and he does, and then figure out why you're wrong. So why two prayers? In part because... He said his path was a combination of meditation and service. And so the prayer, Father, give me thyself, is a prayer for deep meditation. Give me thyself, give me thyself. But you don't want to be narrow or do that for ego benefit. Give me thyself that I may give thee to all. The other is a prayer for proper activity. For proper service. I will think. I will will. I will act. That's quite different from. God do it all. It's I will do it. But you guide me. In my attunement. So for us as devotees. The real prayer. That we should have. Should always be prayer. For deeper attunement. That we do God's will and nothing else. That we want what God wants for us and nothing else. And when you pray for others, usually it's better not to pray for a specific result because your understanding may not be deep enough. Pray for God's blessings and God's will to be done for that person. And if you can do that deeply, God will answer those prayers. So I thought to end with kind of a summation that would be a very simple way of remembering. Now, we can all count the fingers on one hand, so I'm going to give for the five fingers, five aspects of prayer, each of which are very important but easy to remember. So the first is familiarity. The prayer starts with our Father. Pray to God, to Divine Mother, as your own parent, as your own friend, as your own deepest friend, as your own beloved. We start all our public prayers virtually with Heavenly Father, Divine Mother. You are our parent's friend. You're our deepest friend. Beloved God, you're our beloved. You are the one that we love. So familiarity, make that the beginning of your prayer. The next one stands for faith. We have to pray believing that God will answer the prayers, assuming that they're the right prayers and not the wrong ones. But pray believing In the goodness of God, in his desire to help us, desire to be with us, desire to fulfill that which we need, as Jesus put it in the Lord's Prayer, give us this day our daily bread, because God will sustain us in whatever. We have to have faith, so that's the second finger. Familiarity, faith, we have to pray believing. The third one is frequency. You can't just pray once in the morning and figure it's good enough for all day. We pray before every meeting. We pray before we take food. We pray. Use every excuse you can to make that connection with God, either in formal prayer or in informal prayer. Just feel that God's your companion. You're sharing your life with him. If you have a little heartache, share that with him. If you're having trouble with something, share that with him. If you have a desire for something, tell your mother about that. And don't hold anything back. So frequency, make some sort of... You have those prayers going on all the time anyway. Make the connection with God during them. The fourth finger stands for fervor. You heard Master's prayer. You heard the energy in that. Wimpy prayers do not carry very far. Oh God, I guess I want to be good today. Help me out, okay? Wasn't quite the way Master prayed. So pray with real fervor. The stronger the energy is, the stronger the response will be. And so make that powerful, powerful. And then finally, the last one, and the thumb, which is the strongest of all, is for follow master. Follow the will of God in everything and make that really the deepest prayer of your heart, that you're able to understand and to follow the will of God in every thought, word, and deed.